1: With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Talking Yang, the first week of the playoffs edition for most of you. Uh, We had week 14 is mostly in the books, except for tonight's Seattle-Minnesota game. Chris? How did you do in the playoffs this week? I did
2: okay. Uh, I lost one league, the huevos, and then um, I'm a favorite, probably like a two-to-one favorite in the FSTA. We'll see how that goes. We're going against Carson and the Vikings defense, so when you're watching, you'll probably know if I lost, if those two go off. Not that crazy. They don't have to go you know, insane, but they just both have good games. And then uh, in the NFFC, I – Got a lot of points because I had Cooper and Kittle, but that's a team that lost AJ Green and Hunt, and then I have one team on buy. So you know, probably about fifty fifth percentile, I would say, is how I did. What about you?
1: Well, it's it's mixed so far. NFFC, I only had one of them. I had three teams in the NFFC, and while my records were good in all three, only one of them made the playoffs. And you know, it's a it's a you know it's not it's a multi week playoff, but the first week wasn't that good. Uh, just. Eh, like my best team had Cream Hunt, and that one didn't make the playoffs because just the timing of it when it happened. But the one that made it, I kind of was surprised that it made it, but it, it just had eh, sort of weak. And uh, just you know, Chris Godwin had ten targets. You know, you mentioned that he led the league in uh, air yards for the week, and had one catch for 13 yards. So that means almost nothing. You know, I heard later on that Winston, and I got to rewatch the game to, to confirm this, but that Winston hurt his knee. And that was one of the reasons why he's missing a lot on his throws. Uh, so we'll see about that, but I only had the Seattle defense left in that one. And it's just off to a mediocre start for this, this playoff period. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, otherwise I've I I Godwin in- and Galladay in that league too.
2: So like, so I had Kittle and Cooper, but I had Godwin and Galladay and Winston. So Winston was actually fine. Uh, it was, and, and I, I told you on the XM show, I was a team that had Henry two weeks ago that I dropped. And to be honest, I still probably would have sat him for Gus Edwards who didn't do that much, but um, <laughs> I don't know if it's worse to know that, you know, have him on my bench during that or on waivers probably on my bench would have been worse.
1: Yeah, probably so. Uh, you know, Godwin Galladay, I had that combo in the Scott fishbowl had a bye week last week and my team went off. Of course. I had like the third highest points in my conference. They do the, it's like, of like 40 teams. This week, nothing. You know, it's just horrible. Horrible. I'm going to probably get eliminated this week. Uh, In fact, I am going to get eliminated this week because I'm done. And I think I'm not in the top half of those remaining. So that kind of stinks. But like Godwin, nothing. Galladay, nothing. Philip Lindsay really struggled to get his points. He got some, but, you know, I got very little out of Hooper, very little out of Robert Woods. It's just disappointing all around. Yeah. You know,
2: fantasy football, the more you do it and the more teams you have and the longer you do it, the more you just, you don't really sweat it that much anymore. Like I just am like, all right, I put my lineups in. I didn't make any really stupid decisions this week. Really the only terrible decision I made all year was sitting. I mean, I made mistakes, but was sitting McCoy for Christian Kirk. And even that. It's like, that was the only week McCoy went off. I had McCoy in my active lineup. But it wasn't this team. It was the other NFFC that would have won, would have made the playoffs if I had just stuck with McCoy instead of Kirk, I'm pretty sure, because I would have had one more win. And, you know, I sat McCoy and he went crazy against the Jets. I think that was the only that or like one other week was the only weeks I sat him all year. So I basically sat him for his only useful week of the season. Uh,
1: frustrating. Very frustrating to do that but there
2: besides that, which was an error just because Kirk was such a you know, random player. Um, you know, I just do the waivers every week. I, st- sit, I start my guys in the lineup every week, get the most, you know, do the best I can with guessing before the game, who's going to start. Can't wait till lineup lock, So it's out of my hands and rinse repeat, you know? And I just realized like fantasy football is too random. I mean, it's not random over the long haul, but like in the individual leagues and the individual matchups, to like even sweat it that much. I don't even look until you know the end of the late games. I start to check my scores, and then I'm like, all right, and it's worked okay this year. And then I'm just set my lineup this week. We'll see which one, you know, if any of them survive to the finals,
1: and that's that. So what I usually do is I check about right about the end of the first the, the the early games I'll check to see what how I'm doing you know and usually I have a pretty good idea cuz I know who my players are and all that uh but still you you don't know who you're going against necessarily unless you're down to like one league or something like that uh so then I'll start I'll start checking that and then I'll check again if I see one of my oh George Kittle's going off for me sweet I got to check this out you know I get addicted to that but do we have a responsibility to kind of like I'm working on this blog post but do we have a responsibility to kind of like be accountable for what we how we're doing then you track how we done i don't want to you know the thing is i we i i worry about you know okay if i'm having a good year is it gonna be a, a braggy thing you know okay well this is what i'm done i made the playoffs and 11 out of 15 look at me you know i don't want to be that guy you know but at the same time don't we kind of have to owe it you know to have some like openness some accountability
2: yeah i think you should be open to how you did in your league i don't think you should hide anything um There's like two schools of thought. One is, you know, put your best foot forward, talk about where you've done well, don't dwell on your errors or your failures. And the other school of thought is, you know, be brutally honest. And I'm more toward the latter because um, I think the guys that just talk about how great they're doing, first of all, it's annoying. No one wants to hear it. But secondly, uh, they're usually lying. They're not lying about what they're saying. They're just lying by omission, right? Like they're not Mm -hmm. talking about all the, you know terrible picks they've had or the bad leagues or against the spread, terrible record they have or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I just, it's just, it just becomes marketing rather than here's how I did. Um, but I'm, but I'm actually even, I don't even like, I do care. Obviously I want to win my fantasy leagues and I'd certainly root for it, but I've been just more into the handicapping this year. Like, I mean, in a lot of years survivor, I lost early on three out of my four uh, with the saints in week one. So that wasn't a huge thing this year, but some years that's a big thing. Uh, but I just, you know, the fantasy stuff, it's like, it's so, I mean, think about if you had Kareem hunt, Melvin Gordon and James Conner two weeks ago, you'd be yeah. like, oh, my team is crushing it, heading in the playoffs and then they're all dead. And you're like, okay, there goes my team. you know, a J green and Kareem hunt. And that's the one that did well in the NFBC and NFFC. And I'd have to have like a miracle to have two more good weeks and be in the money. But, um, you know, I just, it, you know, you just set, rinse, repeat, it, it, you know, make your bids on waivers, do your best. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Do the job every day over time, 10 years. I think I've gotten better cause I've cared less. Like I, I honestly feel like I'm doing better because I'm not sweating it. So I'm not getting discouraged. I just literally have my schedule of waivers setting, you know, and good. rinse, repeat. That's it.
1: That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I you know, I think yeah, I I actually tend to be with you on the latter side of things, and I I to – the problem is like it, yeah, I just needed you know I I want to I do t- one of the things is I it takes me too long to write up every league, and I feel like should I just have one pl- post or should I write up each individual league? And I, I think I'm just going to do one post. Uh, yeah, one post. Yeah. Yeah, I need to write up every. I, I write up every league when I draft it because it you know
2: it gives information about how i see the draft board and in different circumstances and where i was picking and different league parameters but as a postscript you definitely don't need one for every single league that would be some insane
1: amount of uh introspection yeah introspection blog space you name it it's gonna take bandwidth all that good stuff bandwidth yeah the internet will shut down if you do it yeah Although there are people way worse than us, like I know, you know, there's people that do like 30 NFBC teams, 30 NFFC teams. You know, they do a lot of the online. They'll do a lot of the. How do they
2: do that without like a script though to like do their waivers? Because it's like, you know, each one. I mean, the the NFBC, I want to give them credit. The NFFC, their waiver process is like a million times better than it used to be. Yeah, and it's actually a million times better than any of the other ones we use. And I, I am like it takes me so much less time to do my waivers now on that specific system. There's no wasted motion. There's no like redoing the same list all over again. There's no like reordering each list. It's super easy. They did a good job on it. And that actually would make me want to buy more. And if you're in the business of selling these leagues like they are, that's like a huge, huge selling point that you could do like six leagues. I could do like six of theirs, especially in football. Baseball is more of a chore no matter what. But I could do like six of their leagues without getting too destroyed by the effort. But well, tell tell more. What do you like system, about the I waiver process thirty there. leagues? Like,
1: I agree with you, but I think it's um, good. It's to just it.
2: okay. Well, okay. I mean, it's kind of hard. It's you know, a visual thing. But you first of all, football is pretty easy. You can sort by percentage owned or whatever. I or, or or the there's two things to sort by: percentage owned and the previous week, because that's everything, right? Either they're already owned or they went yeah. off the previous week. So you, you pretty quickly can get to the you know the the key players that you might be interested in. So that doesn't take long. And then you just click on them, whoever you want, in whatever order you want, and then pick a guy in your team to drop. And then once you have it laid out, you can copy the list two or three times depending on how many guys you have to drop. And then I mean I actually don't copy till the end because you're going to change stuff. So before you even copy it, you just you know look at the list of ten guys that you might be interested in. And then it just drags and drops up and down so quickly. So you can just shuffle it. And then the other thing they do is it rearranges, like, so if you have one guy 21, another guy 8, the 21 automatically goes ahead of the 8. So you can just, by pricing, it'll rearrange itself. Mm-hmm. So you literally just put in the amounts you think you might want to bid on these guys, it rearranges into a perfect list, and then you just copy it twice, pick two more drops, and you're done. It's, like, super easy.
1: Yeah, I think that and ladder factor is so You're not rebuilding so huge. each list
2: from scratch, like, yes. like some of these archaic ones that we do. It's like, dude, this is... It's just
1: it's tedious because I'm doing stupid work that's just wasting my time. Yeah, that that's such a huge thing, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, uh, you know, on other sites, I have to write down okay, who am I dropping for this one? Who am I, you know? And then like, okay, I got to write down those names so I don't have to go back and find them every time too. It's just like okay, okay, I'm gonna do this one, this one, and so that. It, and that's like that extra step, that extra effort. It's a pain. I mean, yeah, it, it totally is. And then the other thing too is like. You know, on some sites, you click on the player, it goes to another screen. You put in the bid, you hit submit, uh, and then you have to go back to the. It goes to your like your roster, and you have to you go back to the list. all over, again. and you have to sort by the position again, or you have to yep. start, type in the name. And oh, yeah, one hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it's it's such a hassle. There, there is a trick
2: on some of them where you like go back to the previous screen rather than yeah you know starting again. But even so, it's just. You know they they put the money in and the effort and it's night and day and so that's smart it's just smart business you know I mean you want people to be on the site then it, it's tolerable to do more baseball is still just not because of their system it's just because baseball is just such a beast to do at a high level that I almost you know there was a guy um Eric Heverleg who does a lot of baseball and I think he won some of their big competitions and I think I remember seeing something either a tweet by somebody saying that he would spend all his fab in the 12 team really early, like just about all of it. Cause in the 12 team, if you only have like 20 bucks left, you could always get starters. You're not like in the 15 where like you are at the end of the year and you're, you need to find an outfield starter cause you got injuries and there's literally no one there and you have no money to get the guys you need in the 12. There's always a guy getting regular bats and he would like spend it all pretty much early. And you get, you know, the guys you pick up for longer, obviously if you get them in April and I thought, you know, that's just so nice because the leagues that I was forced to do that, or I did it because there was a player I really wanted. It was so little work for the fab because I would just put a dollar bid on all these guys really quick, and just get whichever one to fill in, and it was fine because I usually got, you know, I always got guys who were getting at bats. I
0: mm-hmm. just thought, man,
2: it's it's almost like an added bonus to play that way because whatever your expected return is on playing that way, whether it's better or worse, I'm not sure. I'm getting a huge amount of hours saved of my labor, like tacked (laughs) on to the expected return of the league. So I
1: was like, not only I almost wanted to get rid of my fab and make it easy. Let me tell you the other uh, big thing about that is too. It's like, so you don't blow, say if you're doing 10, dollars bids out of a hundred all along, you don't blow 10 on speculative backup running backs that, Oh, I got to have this one. And you get absolutely nothing from them either. You're just picking up the $0 guys later, and you're getting the same return on investment, pretty much. You well, know, yeah, the problem with the, with the NFFC or NFBC is you can't pick up for free. Right, there's
2: no You've got to go to the $1 guys.
1: But yeah, but like, way, uh, like you know, in a league where – and I don't, I'm in one league where you don't get $0 bids, but you do get first come, first serve after waivers have run. And I blew the yeah, whole 100 on James Conner, and it was after week one. And, you know, we had, you know, and I knew I was like, I had third roster waiver priority because we had this weird rule that you couldn't pick up anybody before the season starts. We drafted like a week and a half before. uh, And we have this rule every year, you know, free agents freeze until after week one. So Wednesday night of the first waiver period, I blew the whole thing on Connor. I thought there'd be others and I'd have to win the waiver priority if I was was lucky. But instead, you know, I was the only one. There's someone else that bit like 65 or so. But it's the best thing ever for me because not only – I mean, yeah, I didn't have him this this current week, but and I probably won't have him in week 15 either. Uh, but he got me there. If, if without that pickup, I would have been dead in the water because I had Dalvin Cook as my first-round running back. Um, I lost a tight end early. I mean, I was scrambling. I was hurting. But I had a weekly running back I could just plug in every single week. Plus, like you said, I didn't waste any time going through that. You know, I, I looked at the list of players available, so I knew that once – First come, first serve opened up. I knew who I'd go after. But at the same time, I, I spent so little time on waivers in this league, and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I did the same thing, but with Alfred Morris in like three leagues. So <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and one of these I, is I, not I like you. the other.
2: <laughs> I guess that's the downside to that. But, you know. You know. It's just because Dalton Del Don took him in like the sixth round of the uh, FFC 12 team, and he's the Niners guy. So I was sure that Morris was going to be huge, he told me.
1: Yeah, well, you vouched. You vouched, for, you, you vouched for authority there instead of doing your own research. I appeal, I appeal to authority. I appeal to authority. Yeah. what an authority that is, Dalton Del Don. Yeah. He's not even doing this podcast and he still gets ragged on. Poor guy. Of course. All right. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I, I like that non, you know, the save time method there. I don't think it works as well as baseball as it does football. Uh, I think football, you can pull that no, off. I think a lot in easier. the 12
2: team NFFC, you can, you can really live with very little money and do dollar bids.
1: Yeah, maybe in a 12 or 15, you can't. You can't in the 15. Yeah. Um, okay, so other things I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the decline of some of these elite offenses lately. You know the Saints two weeks in a row have been just eh on offense. Breeze didn't have a great game against Tampa Bay. The previous, a heretofore terrible Bucks defense. I actually think they're better at home than they are on the road. I think that's one of the takeaways from the Bucks defense is they're actually okay at home. Picked off Cam four, time, four times the week before, but uh, the Rams got shut down in Chicago on, uh, last night. The, in, they didn't do, they weren't even that great against the Lions the week before. Goff certainly wasn't. Uh, and then the chiefs really had to battle against the Ravens and you know if it weren't for the last drive, including a miracle 48 yard fourth down conversion, they would have been held to 17 points. Uh, you know in, in the case of the Chiefs, they're missing Kareem Hunt. And they're missing Sammy Watkins. I think these are big deals. You know, I, I also think though, like the weather changes, you know scouting reports get out there. You know as the season grinds on, you know the you know the film the film work gets better. You start to plan for these offenses a little bit more. All of a sudden, it's not as easy.
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of these are kind of gimmicky too, like that jet sweep BS that the Rams kept running. The Bears had a million different gimmicks on offense. Luckily, they could play defense and not rely on their offense. And you know, people are like, "Oh, they lost Cooper Cup," and yeah, that was big. But if Cooper Cup collapses your offense, I mean, losing like your slot receiver. I mean, Tom Kessler made a good point on the show. Like, slot receivers can be really key to offenses, but he's hardly Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham. He's like their number three or co number one. I guess they had three number ones. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be this high flying offense, and this is just not the same offense. And you saw it against the Bears. I mean, it's cold and it's a good defense, but if Gurley gets shut down, they just don't have, you know, crushing matchups. Like, Brandon cooks is very quick, but is he more Deshaun Jackson? Is he more, you know, or is he Antonio Brown? I mean, is he really going to get, he never gets the target share where it's just like, this is our guy. We're going to run him deep. We're going to run him over the middle. We're going to do everything with them. We're going to send him on slants. We're going to just have him completely be unguardable by the defense. You don't really see him taking over, even though on a per play basis, he's always been excellent his whole career. And Robert Woods is a gritty tough possession receiver, doesn't really have the size or speed, so you know you stop Gurley and you stop those easy screen passes where he rumbles for like thirty yards, and this offense is not—it's not that potent. It's not like the Chiefs with Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. Kelsey is unguardable. Tyreek Hill is unguardable, and they had a good running game. And you have like quarterback with a ridiculous arm who can scramble and make plays on the run. It's just the Chiefs are really tough. The Rams just don't seem that way, and then the Saints. It's hard to have an offense built around two running backs. The running game isn't nearly as efficient. They're not getting the five and six yards per carry they got last year. They're actually below average in yards per carry. And they've got one receiver that you can trust. And he's not a, a deep threat. He's a, he's a great intermediate possession receiver, great hands, great routes, tough, good run after the catch, but he's not taking the top off the defense. So again, it it's, You know, if you can kind of slow down the run, what do you have to be afraid of with the saints? And, you know, they, they throw well to their backs too, but still they're not, you know, the chiefs to me are the one sort of really great offense and the chargers are pretty good when, when Gordon's going healthy and Eckler comes in as a change of pace. But even so it's like Keenan Allen Gates is a million years old. The other two receivers, the Williams is, you know, Tyrell is explosive and Mike is a good red zone guy, but they're not consistent you know, that those receivers, it's just, it's really
1: the chiefs are the only sort of super offense. And they lost, as you pointed out, Watkins and hunt. Yeah. I'll say one other thing too, though. Uh, Schedule matters. Also look at the saints. They go at Dallas, you know, on the road late in the season, I think has got to be a little bit tougher. I mean, yeah, they, they moved the ball against the Raiders, but then the Raiders moved the ball against them rather easily too. The, the Rams have played two games on the road in a row on the road at the lions, at the bears. Now they'll go back home. I, I, and they face the Eagles on Sunday night this week. I got to wonder if that's going to have something to do with maybe some of the struggles there too, especially, especially last night in the cold in Chicago. Uh, I got to think that that's part of the issue. Yeah, of course it's part of the issue,
2: but it's kind of like, you know, a pitcher and you see them, you know, strike out 12 guys against the, you know, against the tigers or something. And then they go to Fenway and get lit up for eight runs and you're like, Oh, this guy's not as good as I thought. You know, I mean, you have to do it. You're not going to do as well against the tougher competition, but you got to be more like the Chiefs who, you know, they put up 27 against the Ravens. They, you know, the Rams earlier in the year were going to Denver and winning those games, going to Seattle and winning a close game. They were, you know, they they started to slow down in that stretch, but it it seems like, sure, it's it's always hard to do on the road in the cold, but great offense should be able to, do a little bit more now in fairness i remember the greatest show on turf they made it to the super bowl and in the nfc championship game i think they beat the bucks 11 to 6 mm-hmm. now that was the same bucks defense the core of it with, with sap and derrick brooks and john lynch and i think it was ronde barber that ended up winning the super bowl a couple years later with uh with gruden that's a good poll so, i
1: forgot about that game
2: but it was 11 six. So that was the greatest show on turf and nobody really slowed them down. They, you know, they won the super bowl, but, um, the Titans in the super bowl, they beat, you know, like by six or whatever, like 23, 17 was pretty close and they didn't light it up then either. But I don't know. I would expect a little more, but it also goes to show. And it's why I always bet on the defensive team in the super bowl.
1: I was going to leading towards, you, my, towards next the statement, my next question, actually. Um, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I like the defenses. Yeah. So, Okay. I'm gonna give. We do this question every year. I, if I give you four teams and I get the field, which side would you? Or if you would, would you get take four teams to win the Super Bowl or the field? Which side? First of all, which would you take that? Which would you take the four teams or the field? And if if you take the four teams, which four teams would they be?
2: I would take the four teams because we have a good sense of home field. Mm -hmm. So I would take the Saints for sure as one of them because their defense is good now. And I probably take the Rams because one of those two is going to have the home field almost certainly in the NFC. And then uh, in the AFC, I would take the man, the chiefs, their offense is good, but they're, I probably take the, I don't think the Patriots are good this year, man. I just don't think the team is that good, but I think I'd probably take the Patriots and then I would take the chiefs, but I could see the chargers, but I would definitely take the four. It's a little harder to figure out the four. Yeah, but I think the Chiefs are very likely to get home field, so you could pretty much get three of the four bye week teams. Yeah, which means that in the second round, you've you've got at least three surviving. They're pretty much all favorites,
1: and that's why so it's so hard to like take the Bears or the uh, Cowboys because you know they won't have home field. Uh, you know they get it for yeah. one game, and then they. Have but to go if you under take it. the
2: other side, you know you're getting four teams for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Minimum four because. they can only have the host the best case scenario the guy who takes four only has the the half of them Mm -hmm. you're going to get some. you might even get five if there's an upset um and so uh you might get more than five um i I probably take the i probably take the four but if it was three i would probably take the field
1: yeah and the thing is the construct is is it a dominant defense or is it just merely a very good defense and the bears is the, the hot button question i mean they shut down the rams this week but they lost on the road to the giants the week before
2: yeah, but Chase Daniel really sucks. I mean, he's yeah. really, really bad. And and Trubisky was bad last night, but Chase Daniel is Trubisky without the mobility, basically. Okay. And the Giants are you know league average team. They're not that bad. They were home. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Saquon Barkley's so good, man. It doesn't matter if you're the two thousand Ravens. You can't stop that dude. But
1: I, I guess. I don't I don't know the Cowboys the are, are the fly in the oh. ointment too, because they're they're a pretty good defense. They got a great run game, which is an equalizer. There, to, you know, keeps keeps opposing offenses off the field. They're they're ascendant right now. They're playing really well. Um, and that that's the thing. But the run game has been below average on a per carry basis, and it's it's way
2: below average because I think it's Trubisky is boosting the average of the scrambling. No, I'm so, talking
1: about the Cowboys.
2: Oh, the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are tough. I think that you know they've got. Garrett's been being he's been more aggressive. He's still settling for those long field goals, but he's going on fourth down and he's letting Dak throw deep. Dak missed a couple Michael Gallup throws that could have made at a huge day, but Dallas's defense is legitimately good and their um and their running game is a real it really keeps the you right, they keep the team off the field. Don't know. The reason why they could also hang in New Orleans too is that New Orleans doesn't really have, if you, I mean, it's amazing that New Orleans was scoring all those points because I'm looking at their team and I'm like, wait, how do they score so quickly again? Because they don't have field stretchers.
1: Yeah. They, I mean, it's just, they're, they're creative. They have pace. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe sometimes it, 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 it happens quickly because they run their plays quickly too. That might be part of it there. You know, I actually, you know, they're crisp. They're not like, Dallas, oh, we're going to take it down to two seconds every time. Although I wonder if Dallas is still doing it. That construct is still true. Um, I haven't been paying close attention to that the last few weeks. During, like, Have they changed their pace at all? I think that matters sometimes. Yeah. But the, the Saints are, are built for the playoffs now. I mean, their
2: defense is good. They stop the run really well. Yeah. And I think Lattimore is playing better. They're harder to throw on now than they were earlier in the year. And, well, they the and they run the ball and catch passes out of the backfield. And, mm-hmm. they, and, and Michael Thomas is a chain mover. I mean, he's like the preeminent chain mover. He catches everything. So they are built like a playoff team that grinds it out. And it's interesting because their advantage was being in that dome and being able to just throw it, you know, just run up the score on you. But they're sort of built the way Dallas is built. They're actually kind of similar those two teams in a weird way.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, they've had a hard time finding that balance between Kamara and Ingram lately um that that 's one thing like Kamara really hasn't had too many huge games since Ingram's come back and I know that they had to deal with this last year, but I feel like it's accentuated this year that problem a little bit maybe it 's because they they're more like cute with like Zach line or you know, you know some of the other gimmick plays that they run there, but you know at the same time. I feel like he just hasn't been the same game breaker he has been earlier. Just and maybe they just—I mean—he got 12 carries well, yesterday. He got six targets. They're fine.
2: He he averaged six yards a carry his rookie year, and he is averaging like four this year. I mean, it's night and day. So and and Ingram is averaging like four or whatever, and he was averaging five last year. And they both got big volume last year combined, mm-hmm. and their running game was just ridiculous. I mean, it was just—you you just can't win when the other team's getting five, six yards every carry. And then they can also, you know, flare flare out in the backfield and catch, you know, big plays as, as receivers. And there's Kamara's still doing it as a receiver, but the running isn't there as much. And I think it's slow and that, and not having Ted Ginn is slowed things down a little bit.
1: Well, it's and funny you mention wonder, that uh, because Ted Ginn may be designated to return from IR. Uh, there's just a possibility that that could still happen there. Remember, they brought in Dez. That didn't work, obviously, because of the injury. They brought in. Uh, uh, forgetting brandon marshall formerly known as brandon marshall yeah and that, that he has I, ha, I don't think he's even seen the field yet um so yeah it, it's I, I i think that is a big issue there i think you're right about that um in fact i don't think brandon marshall has actually seen the field yet yeah he was in no, he last doesn't. week uh no, so in i mean seattle found him wanting they're like eh we don't need you we're moving on you know we, we've got four other guys we like better so uh, we'll see about that. What about Seattle? Are they kind of like a scary team to face in the playoffs? They're kind of on the rise right now. They may not even make the playoffs, but if they do. No, they'll make the playoffs. Seattle's almost certainly going to make the playoffs. I mean, if they lose
2: tonight, it'll be closer. But if they win tonight, they're almost certainly going to get in. I think Seattle, although they do play, oh, was it was the Chiefs. Yeah, they, they may still have some tough games left. But I think they're pretty good. Uh, their defense is decent. Their running game is good, and Russell Wilson's very good. And Carson and Penny are both really good. I mean, I think Penny, he's a little banged up right now, but you know he looks explosive, man. He looks like he is playing at a different level. Even Carson's just a bruiser. He just really punishes the defense, and I think that's valuable too. Right. But if they come in running like that, and Russell Wilson's in these hitters counts and can scramble and make plays, really like to have a healthy Baldwin. He's very iffy for tonight. But Lockett has been great. David Moore has been you know, useful. Jerron Brown shows up once in a while. I don't, uh, you know, I, I think a healthy Baldwin would really make this team different. I don't know if we're ever going to see that, but right. it's, I think they're a good team. I don't think they'll, I think they're dangerous. I think anytime they stay in the game, you have Russell Wilson. He's just so dangerous and so good that you're in, you know, you can get into trouble and they will. The running backs, in my opinion, are defensive players. They, they punish the other defense. They rest their own defense. And I think that, They can sort of, their defense is probably not as good as it's, they lost a lot of key guys, but they've gotten like, you know, still really good pass rushers. Their linebackers are good. And I I think maybe with the running game being so effective and Wilson moving the chains that it's kind of like Dallas that year, they had DeMarco Murray go crazy. Yeah. It's like their defense went from terrible to decent
1: just because they were not on the field much. I think Seattle's getting that kind of benefit too. I think I think you're right about that. Another key injury to watch for is actually a lineman. DJ Fluker is out, and he's a pretty good run blocker. So uh, I think that could be something to watch for too. But I, I'm with you on Rashad Penny too. I think he's really good when he's healthy, and I, he's a guy that I would love to have. You know, if you know, I don't have any Dynasty Leagues where pickups are still available or if he he's even available, but I would love to have futures on him for next year. I think he's gonna have a pretty good year next year. You know, if he if he doesn't get hurt, of course. But uh I, I like his play. I think he's gonna be a guy that's underrated and he could be one of those guys in the fantasy playoffs this year that really sets the tone for next year.
2: It's funny, Mario wrote about this and I'll add two more guys to his list. He said that, you know, Sonny Michel seems like a fine player, but it's looking like a mistake to have passed on Nick Chubb there. Yeah. And also carry on Johnson looks really good. I mean, he's hurt now, but he was really good. And then Penny looks really good when he's playing and getting carries. And it's almost like the mistake for Belichick wasn't taking a running back is maybe he took the wrong running back. And Michelle is perfectly competent,
1: but he just doesn't seem to have like that next gear that those other guys have. Right. And not only that, but like Chubb's a really good receiver too and you know we're starting to see more and more of that with Cleveland the point where Duke Johnson's been kind of uh, alienated again there and you know by the way Cleveland is going to be good next year uh, they they're already kind of good now and i think that they're going to be a team that next year th- they could be that they you know 7 win team this year that goes to a 10 win team next year i could uh, you won't, i don't think you have to squint too hard to see that
2: yeah they see the draft a wide receiver Draft Although I like that sign. they were using Brashad Perriman. I kept I kept drafting that guy in fantasy for years, being like, this guy's six two, two twelve, and he runs a four two eight. Nobody nobody's like this. This guy's a freak and he just never could stay healthy or get enough chances, but he caught two passes for eighty
1: yards yesterday. First first offensive play of the game. Big it was a great throw by Mayfield too. It was a really sweet play. Yeah. Uh I love I'm the, just look- glad that Barkley was
2: taking after taken after Mayfield was gone. That's the debate I don't want to have. I'm happy to debate any other ones.
1: Yeah, Mayfield looks really good, and Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator looks like that's been that's really worked out too. Getting just getting rid of Hugh Jackson uh, and and Todd Haley, getting rid of them both, getting where rid of will that Hugh drama.
2: Jackson wind up though. I mean, where where can you see
1: him being? I don't know. If you, I, I hear rumors that it's part of a succession plan for the Bengals. So uh, yeah, yay. Uh, I might become a so, Browns fan I've yet. heard
2: rumors that Eli is going to be back with the Giants in 2019. I, <laughs> I looked I re- looked into it a little bit. And I actually doubt that. But if you had Hugh Jackson and I still had Eli, that would be quite a... Uh,
1: quite a cosmic joke on us both. But
2: Yes, but it would be like having
1: David Njoku as your tight end this week. Oh, that was... Okay, you, you were great, and then you lost me there. But, uh, I, uh, I get that. So, okay, look at the AFC. Who do you feel? I mean... We we met. You struggled to find two AFC teams you wanted to take for this hypothetical four team bet.
2: Well, it's just that I I think the Chargers are the best team when when both you know Bose is back and they'll probably get Gordon back, but they're, they'd have to beat the Chiefs. Is this is this? It would be in Kansas City on right. Thursday night. Right, banged up, I'm in short rest. I mean the Chiefs are banged up too, and then they still wouldn't have home field if they both won the last two games. So they have to not only beat the Chiefs, they'll be underdogs, but also, you know, either go 2-0 and if the Chiefs go 1-1 and or go 1-1 and if the Chiefs go 0-2. And that's very unlikely. So it's very likely the Chiefs will have home field. And it's impossible to take the team without the bye over the team with the bye, right? Because the Chargers, if you don't win your division.
1: Yeah. And let's face it, home field means less to the Chargers than anybody else anyhow. It's just the absence of being on the you road. You just can't you cannot that that's the
2: only reason I struggled. I would have taken the
1: Chargers and Chiefs
2: if they could both get the buys.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh and you look at the Chargers schedule, I mean, not only do they get the Chiefs next week, then they get home against the Ravens and then at the Broncos. So there's not a guaranteed win there. I know the Broncos
2: yeah, You can't take that schedule and and, and just the the situation they're in. But there, but they are what are they are they 11 and 2 or 10 and, th- 10 and 3 or something like that they're-
1: yeah chiefs 11 and 2 and, and the chargers are 11 and 3 10 and 3 right yeah so yeah they're they're a game behind yeah they're essentially two games behind because of that but i mean you've kind of dismissed houston before in the past about you know kind of a function of their schedule slightly above average team that's played well enough to beat their schedule uh No, I I look at, you know, I don't don't look at anybody else in the South as that scary. The Colts could be scary at times, but they're also a team that got shut out by Jacksonville, too.
2: This is a year, though. This is one of those years that strikes me as that, you know, when the Giants ran the table or the Ravens ran the table, that the table could be run by a Dallas, a Seattle, an Indianapolis. You know, one of these surprise teams could run the table. The Chargers, the strong teams aren't that strong. Chiefs can't play defense. I mean, they're not terrible on defense, but they're not great. They lost Hunt. I know that Ware had a good game, but I think Hunt is like a really good back. And Terry Kill's banged up. You know, he says it's no big deal. They're saying it's not a major thing, but he's just not quite as explosive. Weather gets bad. You know, precision stuff is hard to do, although you got to love Mahomes' arm strength in any kind of weather situation versus whoever he's playing. But you have teams like the Patriots that – are used to the freezing weather. They've done it so many times. Rothisberger is used to it. The Steelers, we've we got to talk about the Steelers because they're a risk. But yeah. you know, when Connor's there, when Ben is you know, healthy, they're, they're a really dangerous team.
1: They could beat anybody. They, they're loaded on everywhere. So the, the Steelers st- are also a dangerous team. The Steelers are a dangerous team to beat anybody or to lose to anybody. That's the problem with the Steelers. You know, they they yeah. just have these incomprehensible bad games. I mean, and Ben is banged up. He missed a good yep. chunk of the second half against the Raiders yesterday. And yeah, but they, the fact
2: they could bring him in, that was so weird. You know, it's like, I almost felt like if Ben were concussed, they would just let him play through it. You know, they just, like, right, how could dude, you, you get, tell the difference? You've been, yeah. <laughs> you've been brain damaged so
1: many times. Just go back in, there's, no, there's nothing to lose. But, but you're forgetting. Yeah, te- I think there's. You're not, you're not forgetting, but the team that. Fits all the criteria. Uh, done it before. Can deal with the trenches. Deal with the cold weather. Beaten good teams in the playoffs before. Baltimore. Yeah, I don't.
2: I hate Lamar him Play to take like a quantum leap. I think. I mean, he, he's he presents a problem, and in the weather, like that's like such a sure thing. Like getting those running yards, and you're not worried on, you're not worried about connecting through the passing game. They almost just won into Kansas city. And that's the one seed. they could go in and beat Kansas city. This, th- if that game were played 10 times, you got the feeling each team would win five of them. So yeah, their defense is the best in the league. And as it gets worse, the weather, they could beat some teams. Uh, new England is not a good team. I just think they're so sound that it's so funny that, that crazy, um, hook and ladder thing shit like that never happens in new England ever, ever. I know it's always the Giants or the Bengals or the Chargers or the Lions or somebody gets that horrible beat. It's never the Patriots,
1: so it's interesting. Yeah, and and so it wasn't just that fluky play at the end. Now, I, I don't. Really, it's unfair to call it fluky. It was a well-executed, random play. It's an amazing play. It was an amazing play. But there was Goskowski missing an extra point, missing a field goal. Not you know Brady getting sacked on the last play of the first half. That's three points they gave away right there. Uh, but they, they were only there due to a blocked punt. They got two blocked punts. So right. That's yeah, you know. uh, true. But they this, the point expectation after getting that though is is higher, and they just didn't do it. You know, making that decision to kick the field goal, fourth and four, is like twenty one seconds left with Miami out of timeouts, and they're on like right. the fourth and goal from the four. You know, if they miss, they're at the four. You know, that's the thing right. that's so crazy about it. With no timeouts. I, I actually think that's a big deal. Having Gronk on the field was really stupid, too. Right, because there's no way Tannehill could have reached via Hail Mary, and then he's just sort of a
2: liability out there as a tackler. Yep. Yep. And like you said, that never
1: happens to the Pats. That's
2: something that Belichick Because they don't make those mistakes. They have someone out there that makes the tackle at the two yard line, and the game's over.
1: Yeah. They're the team that, you know, takes advantage of Remember Russell they Wilson the Bears out of the, the goal end zone line. on the Hail Mary. Yeah. That was this year. Yep, that's right. It was. It was. And that so they almost lost the other argument is they almost lost that one. You know, and teams never catch Hail Marys, but you know there there you go. So but it, it it's just a, they're just off a little bit too. But yet they also beat the they beat the Chiefs, you know, in at home at Foxborough on a Sunday night game. You know, they they they're they've still got if they get home field on these on a team, they're dangerous. They get have to play them on the road, I don't think they get through, but I think it's one of those sort of years. Brady was awfully sharp,
2: and Gordon is doesn't look like a world beater, but they're still working to get you know in sync. Gronk was eight eight for eight for 108 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Mm-hmm. Edelman looks good. I mean, they've got like the core offensive guys. They've got James White and Michelle healthy, so the offense is actually coming together like as a as a unit. The defense, the secondary is not bad. The rest of it. I don't know. They don't really make a lot of big plays, but they had that bend, bend but don't break style where teams go up and down the field that usually don't score. And uh, you can never really count them out. But, yeah, they're not, they, don't, they don't seem as dominant as the Chargers or the Chiefs or even the Steelers when they're rolling on all cylinders.
1: No, they don't. And it's a different year. They're more of a running team if they can't run. And they kind of like they get bogged down a little bit, but then again, yesterday was like twenty eight, twenty seven at halftime too. So who knows? Um, but just like yeah, yeah, when they get Michelle and White going, and now they have Gronk going, it it kind of takes away from their lack of you know wide receivers. And they got Edelman and Gordon now. They've they've got a core of guys that can hurt. So you. They've got everything. They've got yeah. the,
2: and Patterson makes big plays for them sometimes. I, I think the. I think the problem is i don't know how good their run blocking is and i don't think that michelle is one of those dynamic backs like kareem hunt or Kamara or obviously elliot or barkley or Gurley, that gets that extra half yard that get, you know gets that extra lean that knows how to just read he's okay maybe i'm wrong and we'll see like him bust out in the playoffs but he doesn't strike me as like a special running runner and i do think that
1: it hurts him a little bit yeah i think so too i think so too so uh yeah, we'll see. And you know, he's been hurt all year too. So let's keep that in mind too. That he might be more. Right. Of a Maybe he'll finally next he year. feel better. And, but yeah, I, I don't think yeah. we'll see it this year. But I think like an off-season he doesn't
2: arrest. seem. He runs like he seems like a competent straight-ahead runner, but I don't see like a ton of wiggle. I don't see a ton of like bounce it outside and get around the corner with him. You know, Barkley. Every time the guy gets the ball, if he doesn't get tackled in the backfield, which happened a lot earlier in the year, he takes that cut and then goes outside. And you're like, oh shit, he could go. You know, like as soon as he gets outside, you're like, you can't see from the camera angle like how many defenders there are, but you get excited. It's like, oh, this could be a big one. Every single time, it's like the most exciting thing. He just jump cuts and bounces, and you're like, okay, let's see how far this goes. Well, there's a reason
1: why much. Barkley was called a generational back. There's there shouldn't be yeah, anybody that compares to him. That's the I whole th- point. I told you on that 78 yard touchdown he had.
2: He was he he got around the corner and he starts running the open field. And the DBs like, they're, they're like, you know, four or five, six feet behind him. And they're like, then they're like four or five, six yards behind him. And then it's just, he's not, they're not going to catch him from behind.
1: No, no. And even if you have the angle, you can't even catch him. That's the difference. Like sometimes you see these packs, make these big runs and they'll get caught by like around the 10 or something like that. They get run down or they get the, someone gets the angle right. with him. No he finishes forget the, it. it it's not just you know, the first you know it's the finishing it's
2: Kenyan it. Drake man that, yeah. i mean that was some serious open field running on that play that guy's really good
1: and it's not the first time he's done that too by the way no it's not yeah. he's
2: caught a lot of passes run after the catch and looked really he's He's a legitimate. That guy's good, Ken and Drake.
1: I love what you said in the blog. Like, they wisely saved him for the last play. That was, <laughs> that, was exactly. that was a fun, that whole paragraph was great too because you said like how you made Frank Gore made the Patriots look old and washed up. I saw that. That was I see what you're doing on, on that whole paragraph uh, there. Uh,
2: thanks. Yeah. No, I mean Gore did look good. He was he was gashing them for yardage. I'm like it's always they're giving that Eddie George type. Eddie George was only like 30 at the time, but they just worked him to death. And you're still giving him the ball, but you're like, dude, this guy is nothing left. You're just pounding him in the line. He's, he's totally toast. But Frank Gore, I've always mocked Frank Gore and people drafting him. But this year, he looks more explosive than I've seen in like five years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, well, and he, 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 the thing is, because of all of his early injuries, he didn't have the workload of other running backs his age. You know, it's like. Okay. Yes, he had he had the toll early, and then he got reconstructed knees, so he almost has like new knees at an older age.
2: No, I thought he, I thought he just I thought he tore his knee in college, and then yeah. you know, so he like didn't get like multiple. He times. sat out a year, but then he came back, and that was it. He's done it every year since then.
1: Yeah, uh, but I mean, the thing is, he started his career with a major injury, as opposed to getting it three, three years into his career. I guess that's more what I was yeah. getting at here. Um, so, anyways, uh, what are you working on for East Coast offense this week? I'm not sure yet that I was, you know, we,
2: you and I have talked a lot about quarterbacks and like what the right way to look at it is the importance of the position, but not to get bogged down in what you don't have, but searching for the elite one that you do have. That was one, that was one thing I might do. I don't know, I got to think about it. You know, I'm not, um, some weeks I haven't worked out already. Another thing was, um, I saw some people tweeting about how the giants and some of these other teams like there, Cause a lot yesterday, the, the Raiders giants and jets all won. And those are all teams, and the Niners won too, and the Niners. And those are all teams that were sort of, at one point, in line for the top overall pick. And they're saying how, like, that's idiotic. Like, if these teams keep winning, they're going to hurt their draft position. And Pat Shermer, after the game, was like, you know, it took a little while, but I'm really happy to see everybody, you know, playing for one another, and we're really building something here, and blah, blah, blah. You know, coach speak, but whatever, you know. And I started thinking, is it, this horrible miscalculation to win these games by the Raiders and Niners, or is it important to actually build a culture of winning and learn to play as a unit? That the cohesion between these players, which is going to be developed somewhat this year, most of them will probably be back. At least a lot of them will be, um, is actually really valuable. You know, just how we say like you got to get these baseball players at bats or whatever when they when mm-hmm. the season's lost. That because football, it's not really one on one. It's a team sport, so that you have all the individual characteristics of the players but the team as a whole is is an emergent property you know like it's it's an the idea of an emergent property like it's not the sum of its parts it's the people plus the cohesion between them and developing cohesion between them is something that coaches realize that maybe stat heads it's very hard to measure that's actually important and so okay so the giants instead of picking third end up picking 10th or 11th or whatever or 9th but they develop a a cohesion among the guys that remain and sort of a self-belief. And okay, so we get a different guy than we thought we would, but it's, it's important still to try. And I'm not sure I know the answer to that. I'm just saying, I saw some takes that were very like, look at these morons winning these games.
1: Right. I've seen that every year. Yeah, of course. That's a time honored question. I think there's a couple of factors here. One, who are you doing it with? Are you doing it with guys that are going to be part of that core next year? Or are you doing it with these veterans that are showing them the way and the ropes and all that, <clears throat> Eli? Uh, or you know, you know, not that, not, but it's not like LaLotta is guaranteed to be part of the future. That's the thing. That's like I'm, I guess I'm less up. And He's almost certainly that. not. He was oh, he, I'm not. He just was over for five with the pick, but that's not really you know, enough of an audition. But yeah, I mean, and who is he playing so with? Probably. Though, too? You don't know. I mean, he, was he? Did he, he? We know he didn't have Beckham. We know that for sure. Where were the other top yeah, receivers well, I mean, out just, there? He didn't have Barkley either. Barkley was out of the game by that point That's too. That's kind of so. a big deal. Kind of an important detail. The other thing it too, was, it was just, but you know i He what I'm didn't saying. look
2: sharp, but it was not like a serious audition. The, the thing is, yes, Eli hopefully is not there. He, he's amazing. He, they can save like 17 mil off the cap if they get rid of him before June or whatever. So there, there is an incentive to, and they've got some expensive guys like Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham and uh Nate Solder, Solder that I think Solder could be cut. I mean he's okay, but there's they spend too much for him. I don't know what the actually what the situation is, but it would cost them to cut him now. Probably it would be bad. But I think a lot of those guys will be there on the defense and uh
1: the not you know, because they have like four high price guys, they've got a lot of cheap guys and a lot of those guys will be back. Yeah. Uh and so that that's one aspect. Then the other thing is too, is like, okay, well, you, you have scouts, you know what the dra- you have an idea of what the draft class is like a little bit. You know, we for instance, you know what the quarterbacks are like. Is there really that game breaking quarterback? From everything I've read, probably not. And so does it doesn't matter, especially if you're not gonna be the first pick. Maybe there's one guy or two guys that are really that guy. But after that, I mean if there isn't, then okay so be it we'll take what you know let look at some, how some like if you look at the first round this year look at uh the kid out of the chargers got he was like 10th or 11th derwin in- james or, yeah he's, james. He's, yeah if they were to rerun the draft it would have gone mayfield barkley and the jets would have probably still taken Darnold, but james would have gone Bradley chubb fourth. still would have gone where I mean, he went he's he's been fine uh but that but my point is though like yeah, there's plenty of value later in the draft. Bradley Chubb went in the second. I mean, Nick Chubb went in the second round, for crying out loud. Um, well, Bradley Chubb's good, too. Bradley Chubb's fit.
2: awesome. Denzel uh, Ward went fourth. I mean, it's the non-QBs that are great at the top of this first round, most of them.
1: Yeah. It, it's the, you know, sometimes it is the forcing the QB because you're, you just don't want the fear of missing out. You know, you can't have a quarterback that doesn't have that rookie contract. Oh, my God, that precious rookie contract. Uh, I get it, and I I get the and don't and I, I don't want to diminish how valuable that it can be, but at the same time, it's got to be the the, it's got to be a quarterback that's worth it. You've made this point countless times, and if it's not worth it, then who cares if you're a spot lower in the draft? You're actually saving money slot wise too. You're also destroying your whole team for two or three years if if you get the wrong one. So it's
2: extremely risky. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to you need to pan out right away. And a lot of these guys that pan out right away, like Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson those guys weren't even first round picks, you know, so it's got to pan out right away and you're using your first round pick and it's gotta be that guy. And in Mariota and Winston still haven't really panned out. And it's been like four years now and they're still, you know, what do they do with those guys next year? You know, it's a real issue for these teams. Um, I, I think it'd be interesting. You know, Mahomes went with the 12th pick Deshaun Watson was a couple picks after that, but Deshaun Watson, you know, those guys look like franchise quarterbacks. And you might be able to get them at 10, especially with all these teams, like the jets, the Cardinals may have to get another one next year, but maybe they'll go one more year with Rosen. But a lot of these teams, you know, the bills seemingly set. If the Raiders decide to stick with Derek Carr, now people may trade up, but we'll see, you know, they didn't do it really this year. So yeah, it's, you may just get your Mahomes at 12 or 10 or nine also. So I I just think, I think you should play to win. I I think you could get into a bad with baseball. You can just let the veterans walk and just play young guys, get them experience. And you're still playing to win, but you're just individuals anyway. It's not like this. It's not the same thing in football. Like you you can't really, it's hard to tank in football. What are you going to do? I mean, the Raiders traded away all their players. They're still going to try and play hard.
1: Yeah. And the thing is you, yeah. And if you don't, you're going to get killed out there. You got to play hard. And, right. and that, that that's just the thing. And you don't want to teach a culture the of, of product, giving up. You're
2: not just some like spreadsheet where you're right. like, okay, let's optimize for draft picks and lose. You know, um, there's a Nassim Taleb saying, and he says, optimization is, is fragile. So if you optimize for one variable, you're going to be a, it's, you're going to create a fragile system. Mm-hmm. It's like saying like, if you're op- you know, this is an oversimplified example, but for a human, if you're an engineering human, you optimize for height, Cause you want an NBA guy and the guy's eight and a half feet tall. Well, you probably have a heart attack pretty young when you're eight and a half feet tall. You don't want to optimize for one variable. It's, it's, that's usually a fragile system. And so if you're optimizing for the first overall pick and you know, you're creating this culture of losing you're you know, how do you teach guys to not, you know, score touchdowns and do things to win the games and then expect them to learn from that the year after. And plus your fans are like, this product isn't, is, is Just a zero. Like the stadium's going to be empty. People form new habits, new loyalties to different activities. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, no, no. They know we're tanking. You know, they'll see in three years it'll be worth it. Maybe, maybe they'll move on to some other thing. So, you know, you optimize for one thing, getting the first pick, and that may be a great thing if the first pick is actually really good. But are you, you know, is that good for the whole system? And not often the case is you make the system fragile by optimizing for one thing only. Instead of playing hard, trying to develop talent, you know, trading your veterans for high picks, seeing how far you can get with the subpar talent because you traded your, you know, Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. And then wherever you draft, you draft. Right. To me,
1: like, you don't want to just
2: optimize the tank and not beat the Steelers last week.
1: Right. And I just think, you know, front offices, tank players play. You know, know, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, all right. We'll leave it on that note. Um, Thanks for listening to this week's version of Talking Yang. Listen, I'll be back next week. Good luck in your playoffs. And if you don't already subscribe to RotoWire, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Get your free 10-day trial, and we'll be back at you after week 15. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.